Hey, thanks so much for choosing the Haven House of Revival Sermon of the Week. We pray that this sermon impacts your heart and it inspires you to change your life and the world around you for God. Please enjoy the message. So I'm here this morning to speak. And I just want to pray before I start just to like settle our minds from all that was going on before. And it was all good. But I just want to settle our minds and hearts to what God wants to speak to you. And I, I, I'm actually going to pray for myself. <laughs> I'm a little selfish. I need my mind settled here. It was a lot. It's good. So God, we just thank you for what you've done this morning. We thank you for the things that you've spoken to each of our hearts so far in worship. Thank you for what, we're, what you're doing in this place, as we can see through all the different announcements. Holy Spirit, I ask now that you would open our hearts, that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and that we would hear clearly what you would have us hear today, and that your word would come and plant such deep seeds in our heart. And I thank you, God, in your precious name. Amen. Amen. It's been a while since I've spoke, and as I was thinking about what the Lord wanted me to speak on, and I was talking to Jeff about it, he said, and I was, I was telling him what I was going to speak on, he said, why don't we do a little mini-series, him and I, called The Doctrine of God. Now, I don't want you to get all scared that we're going religious on you. Because a lot of times we hear the word doctrine, we think, oh, that sounds very religious. And it can be if we let it. But I believe that we all need to have and possess a doctrine of who God is. And so I'm going to start today. Now, first of all, you might be saying, well, what's doctrine? Well, I looked the definition up, but the do and doctrine means a teaching, instruction, or precepts with which to build your life on. So when I say we're going to do a doctrine of God, I'm actually, we're actually teaching you things that you can build your life on. It's a foundation. All of you have some kind of doctrine that you are building your life on. But we need to have a doctrine that is true, that is biblical, that is firm, and that's only found in God. So the next question I asked myself, okay, so that's doctrine. So I said to God, well, why do I need to possess a doctrine of God? And this is what he told me. And it's for you too. He said, number one, for your identity. How many people here have ever paid money to do that Ancestry.com or that where you send a bit of your blood in or you could find out like where you came from and where your ancestors were? Is there anybody here that's ever done that? I know my sister did it and, and uh, her husband and they were just so surprised to see where they came from. Well, people want to know, where did I come from? What makes me me? Well, believe it or not, Genesis 1.26 says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Believe it or not, each of one of us, we really don't need to pay for Ancestry.com. We have the answer there. We came from God. He created you and he created me. 
And so we are made in the image of God. And so to better understand our identity, we need to know and understand who our creator is. If we have an incorrect understanding of who God is, then we have an incorrect understanding of who we are. And so we need to possess a doctrine of God for our identity. Number two, we want to see God rightly. We don't want to see God according to worldview, according to religion, according to our circumstances, who others say he is. We need a doctrine, a biblical view of who God really is. Number three, it deepens our worship of him. John 4.24 says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. I want my worship of God to be based on truth. How many times is our worship based on what is happening around us in our life at the moment? Or how we think God is or is not responding to what's happening in our life in the, in the moment. And so our worship is based on that. The more I get to know God, the more I realize how awesome he is. His majesty, his power, his love, and that is how I worship him. He doesn't change, but my worship does. And finally, number four, why do we need a doctrine of God? It deepens our prayer life. See, when we know who God is, when we understand who he is, now we pray according to who he is. Like, no more do we pray prayers of, well, if you want to, or if, you, if it's your will, or I hope that you will do this. We need to stop praying prayers that way. Our prayers need to become bold, and we are able to pray in authority when we know and understand who God is. And so that's why we're going to start. And so over the next several times I speak, and Jeff's speaking next week, we're going to speak and focus on some aspect of God's biblical nature and his character. And this morning, I felt the Lord wanted me to start with the Trinity. That is such a powerful truth. I don't know if you realize how powerful it is. See, many of you have heard the word Trinity that are sitting here, and some of you here have an understanding of what the Trinity is. Some of you think you may have an understanding of what the Trinity is, but I hope after we leave here this morning, you will know and understand who the Trinity is and how powerful it is to your life and to mine. Now, before I start, I want to say that as we look at the Trinity, there is going to be mystery involved and there is faith involved. To think we will ever fully understand the Trinity is to make the mistake that God is fully understandable. Job 11, 7 to 8 says, Can you find out the deep things of God? 
Can you find out the limit of the Almighty? It is higher than heaven. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol, what can you know? As high as the heavens are and as low. So our, in Isaiah 55, 9 says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, I'm not saying that God is not at all understandable. But part of our responsibility is to search him out, right? To search him, to understand him. But there is mystery involved, and there is faith involved. I find it very funny that with Christians, when we come to know Jesus, we exercise our faith, right? We confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's how we come to know Jesus. But for many of us, our faith stops there. And then when we start talking about things like Holy Spirit, we start talking about things like miracles, angels, demons, supernatural, we're like, that's not true. How can that be real? And our faith seems to end with salvation. We are to walk by faith and not by sight. That's what the Bible says. The Bible also t tells us that the righteous live by faith. So there are things that you have to just have faith to believe for. If you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, you needed faith for that. Continue on in your faith in believing what we're going to look at today. Does that make sense? And I'm going to have lots of slides and scriptures because this is going to be a little bit like a teaching, but I don't want you to go away going, whoa. I want you to understand. So I want you to take notes. If you want to take a picture of the slides, if you want to go home and study, if you want to ask God to continue to reveal it to you, I would encourage you to do that today. But today we, I'm here to break mindsets and religious mindsets on who God is and who the Trinity is. And so we're going to start. The Trinity consists of what? Father. Son, Holy Spirit. How many know that the word Trinity is not mentioned in the Bible? You cannot find that word in the Bible. But there is evidence of it all through the Word of God. And I'm going to show you that. The most popular example that a lot of us use when talking about the Trinity is in the story of Jesus' baptism. We're going to put that scripture up. Mark 1, verses 9 to 11. It says, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. So we see there an example of Jesus being baptized, the Father speaking, and Holy Spirit coming down, the three. But there are other verses. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, well, who's the Word? Go down to John 1.14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, 
full of grace and truth. So there we have the Son and the Father at the beginning. Well, where's Holy Spirit? Let's go to Genesis 1-2. Scripture interprets Scripture. You need to get in your Bible. You can't just take one verse and go, well, John doesn't relate to Genesis. It all relates together from Genesis to Revelation, okay? Genesis 1-2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So there you have it from the very beginning of time. Jesus, we had the Son, Father, and Holy Spirit. Couple more. Genesis 1:26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. That is a powerful verse. You and I are made in the likeness of the Father, of the Son, and of Holy Spirit. We bear image of all three. And finally, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word God in the Hebrew is Elohim. The word for created in that verse is bara. Here we go. We're going back to grade school here, a bit grammar. Elohim is a plural noun. Okay? I want you to see that. It says God, and we think, oh, that's one. Actually, it's a plural noun. And the verb bara is a singular conjugation. Anytime all through the Old Testament, when you see the word Elohim, which is plural, and any verb that comes after it, it is a singular conjugation. And it just shows you that the Trinity exists, even though the word is not in the Bible. Okay, you still with me? Do you see where it says it in the Bible? Three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So here's the definition of the Trinity. There is one God who eternally exists as three distinct persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So number one, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are distinct persons. Number two, each person is fully God. The Father is God. The Son is God. Holy Spirit is God. And I'm not going through those scriptures. You can take a picture or you can write them down. And finally, there is only one God. So I'm going to go through some errors that some of you may have thought or when you talk to people. And this is why this is important. I was watching a video, and sometimes, like, when you talk to people of different faiths, I mean, they know what they believe, and they can explain it very well. And then you come to some Christians, and they, they, you ask them, well, what do you believe? 
Well, I believe in God. Well, what does that mean? Well, he's father. He's, I guess, yeah, he takes care of us. And then Jesus came and died for our sins. And now we have Holy Spirit. Okay. Well, what's the Trinity? Uh, I don't know. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Well, what does that mean? I don't know. Like, I really find it very important that we as believers know what we believe and can tell people and explain to people why we believe what we believe. And that's why I'm doing this. I know some of you are looking at me like, I feel like I'm in school. A little bit. A little bit today. But it's important. Really important. So you might hear some of these errors as you talk to people about the Trinity, or some of you may have had these errors in your own thinking, okay? Error number one. The Trinity is not three different ways of looking at God. They are not three different roles that God has. They are three distinct persons, and each person has a role. Okay? So if anyone comes and, and says something, no, this is, this is the, what, some of the errors that you may have or have had after today, you won't. Or if you're talking to someone. Error number two. The Father did not become the Son. The Son did not become the Holy Spirit. God was and always will be three persons. They are eternal. The Father also did not create the Son, or Holy Spirit, they always were. And we know that because we just read it. John 1.1 1, 1, and in Genesis 1.2, they were all there at the beginning. They've, they were there since the beginning of time. They always were and they always will be. See, the Father sent the Son. And a lot of people would think, well, the Father must have created Jesus and then sent him, right? No, he always was. Father sent the Son, John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, right? And after Jesus was on the earth, he told his disciples in John 16.10, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And then the Father and Son sent Holy Spirit. In John 14.26, Jesus says, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance everything I have said to you. Okay? That's error number two. Error number three. One is not more important than the other. They are distinct. But that doesn't mean one is more important than the other. They are all equal in love. Equal in power. Equal in mercy. Equal in knowledge, holiness, and all other qualities. There is not one that is more important than the other. I love this quote that I read. When we speak of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together, we're not speaking of any greater being than when we speak of the Father alone, the Son alone, and Holy Spirit alone. Them together does not make God greater. Can you go? (laughs) 
Yeah, and I just want to, I feel like I need to say this. Some of us may have a better relationship with the Father. Some of us may have no relationship with Holy Spirit. Some of us may prefer one or the other. It doesn't make one greater than the other. In fact, my belief is that we are to have a good relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all three. And then as I go forward and speak, I'm going to start speaking the next time I speak, I'm going to speak on the Father. Who is he? What does he do? And then I'm going to talk about Jesus. And then I'm going to talk about Holy Spirit. Because all three are important in our lives. And they should be. And there's reasons why they may not be. And I'm going to go over that when I speak. So I'm just, it's a preview. Error number four. The Trinity does not mean each is one-third God. God is not a pie that is equally cut into three persons. And there's, oh, that piece of pie is Jesus, and that piece of pie is the Father, and that piece of pie is the Holy Spirit. No, each person is 100% fully God. The Son is not a third of the being of God. He is the all-being God. Holy Spirit is not a third of the being of God. He is the all-being God. And error number five. I'm sure there's more, but I had five. A lot of people will say this. If each person is fully of the Trinity is fully God, then that means there's more than one God. But the Bible is very clear, and I listed the some scriptures. There's more than what I listed. I just listed some scriptures that shows that there is only one God. Deuteronomy 4.35 says, To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God. There is no other besides him. Galatians 3.20 says, Now an intermediary implies more than one. But God is one. And John 10.30, and this was Jesus speaking, and it says, I and the Father are one. There is only one God. So then, if someone's saying, well, how do you explain the idea of three in one? I'm still not understanding it. Well, this is how we can explain it. Go to the next slide, I think. God is one in essence, and he is three in persons, and they are not the same thing. So what does essence mean? Essence is what someone is. It's your being. It makes you what you are. The person is who someone is. It's their attributes attributes. It makes you whom you are. So to make this understandable, if I take myself, okay, what is my essence? What am I? I'm a human being. That's what I am. But as a person, I'm a female. I'm five foot three and three quarters. Thank you very much. Get that in there. Right? I have green eyes. I have 
I was <laughs> as I was studying this, I could say I have brown hair, but if you knew, underneath this brown hair is quite a bit of gray, right? But that's what this. Those are the attributes that make me who I am. I am one being with one person. With the Trinity, God's essence is divinity. In John 4, 24, it says, God is spirit. But God exists in three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is one what, but three who's. Gonna let that sink in. This is a lot. I get it. I get it. And for some of you, you've never really thought about this before. And they've never you've never had any desire to know about it before. But give me a second. You'll understand in a minute why it's so important. To sum it up, God is not a person who plays three different roles. It's not a belief in three gods. It's a belief in one God who exists as three persons. These three persons are not each part of God, but they're fully and equally God. And when we understand who God is rightly, we begin to understand who we are. We begin to worship him differently. And we begin to pray differently. So I studied all this, and it was like, woo, that's a lot, God. I love it because I'm a, I'm, I consider myself a bit of a student, so I love learning. Some of you are like, I left school, and I never wanted to go back. And you're like, I didn't. So I went for a walk yesterday. I'm like, hey, so God, why do we have to know this? Why did you ask me to teach th this this morning? Why do you need to know this? Why do the people that are there need to know this, God? And this is what he said to me. He said, because you are getting to know me. My desire is that you come to know me to understand who I am, to encounter who I am, to know me as Father, to know me as the Son, and to know me as Holy Spirit. And then he said, just as we know you intimately, I loved how he said that, just as we know you intimately, because we created you, our desire is for you to get to know us intimately. Don't be like the Pharisees and religious people who know us only as terms and names. For knowledge doesn't change you. Intimacy does. If after today you leave with just knowledge, It's not going to change you. You may sound smart, 
The Pharisees sounded very smart, but it was all up here. Nothing was here. And then he went on. He said, it began by me dwelling in a tabernacle made by man. And then the Son of Man came to earth and in flesh, and my presence dwelt among the people. But now my presence dwells within you as Holy Spirit. Don't just know about my presence. Encounter it. For when you do, your life will never be the same again. I, read, I watched a, a little video, and I thought, wow, that was so good. He was saying, isn't it going to be cool when we get to heaven someday? And we see Noah. And we're like, Noah, what was it like, like to build this ark? And, and then all these animals came in, and you had this, the earth was flooded, and at the end, you know, the dove came, and you were able to get back out and start over. Or, a, or Moses, what was it like when you got to, you know, escape Egypt and the plagues didn't touch you and you were got, got to escape Pharaoh and you went to the Red Sea and it opened up in front of you and you struck the rock and there was, you know, water. And, and, and the video was like, these guys are going to look at you and say, what was it like to have Holy Spirit living inside of you? What was it like to have God actually living inside of you. What's going to be your answer? It's all right. For some, yeah. For some, it'll be awesome. For some, it may be, I didn't realize that. Holy Spirit lives inside of us now. God and this is why we need the Trinity. We need to understand and get to know God. God wants intimacy with you. He wants relationship with you. He's not some big, mean guy in the sky ready to punish when you make a wrong move. He loves you and wants relationship with you. He doesn't need relationship with you. He really doesn't. He's God, but he wants it. He desires it. And so he says, get to know me. And so we have opportunity to get to know him. And how? It's through Holy Spirit. That's who's been sent. That's who God sent to be with us. Jesus is not here anymore in the flesh, right? So who do we have? We have Holy Spirit. And he's going to teach us all things. And he's going to empower us. And he wants to encounter us. God wants to encounter you through Holy Spirit. And so that's my challenge to you today. Are you ready to encounter God? Many of us have. This morning, this, it was just an, it, like an example of encountering God. Holy Spirit was here, and yet some stood back. Fear, they didn't, uh, you don't understand, you're not ready, you don't believe. But I'm here to tell you that God wants to encounter you in your everyday life 
whatever you do, wherever you go, in your workplace, in your family, on the street, as you go shopping, here, the barn, wherever you go, Holy Spirit wants to encounter you. God wants to encounter you. I'm going to invite the worship team to just come up. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I don't know if there's anyone here who actually has never accepted Jesus into their heart. It's basically just saying, Jesus, I confess you as Lord of my life, and it's by faith, and I receive you. And I want to give you opportunity today, if that's you, and you've never said those things, you've never actually made that commitment in your heart, you can do so. It's that simple. It's just saying, I believe that you are Lord, that you died, that you rose again, that you are seated beside the Father, and that you want relationship with me, and I desire relationship with you. And so I say yes today. You just do that in, in the quietness of your heart. Thank you, Lord. And then I want to just speak to those who want to encounter God. I mean, it's not a one-time deal. He is always ready to encounter us in any time of our life, whether we're down, whether we're up, whether we're in a gathering like this, whether we're all by ourselves in our room, whether we're walking, whether we're driving in our car. Holy Spirit, God, is ready to encounter you because that's really what changes. You can have all the knowledge in the world and sound really smart, but have never encountered God. And I want to give you that opportunity today. And for some of you, it's like, again, you're going to encounter him again. And it's different every time because God has so many facets to him. And he wants to share himself with you. And so don't think, well, I had that encounter with him last year and it was awesome. No, you need to encounter him again. You need to encounter him again. It's a lifestyle. It's not a one and done. It's every day encountering Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. God living inside of you. Encountering him every single day. It's a lifestyle. So I just invite my prayer team up. And they, I'm going to ask them, you know, if there are those here who want to encounter God. And maybe you did this morning, but you want more. That's okay. You know, we're allowed to be a little selfish here. We're allowed to be selfish. God wants to pour himself out over and over and more and more and more. But maybe you haven't encountered God for a long time. And you remember way back when you were a kid you know, and, and you went to camp and you encountered God and it was great. Or maybe it was last year or it's just been so long and you're like, I don't even know if Holy Spirit lives in me because I don't feel anything or I don't. 
I invite you to come up and encounter him once again because he desires to encounter you because he loves you. So we're just going to have Justin just lead in the song. We're not going to make this a big, woo, come on up. No, if you want to, come. If you don't, okay. It's okay. It's free will. It's totally our decision, right? But I want you to know that God is here to encounter you. So God, I thank you so much. I thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for being here. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have been sent by Father and Son to live in us, to encounter us as God. Thank you that you did not leave us alone, Father and Son, but you sent Holy Spirit to live inside of us, to guide us, to fill us, to empower us, to strengthen us, to give us wisdom. I thank you that we want to encounter you just as much as you want to encounter us. And so we bless you. We bless you. We bless you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We worship you as Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and we pray to you as Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God. In your precious name, amen and amen.